morning again, everyone, especially everybody joining us online. Uh, we've had an obvious uptick in that number the last several weeks, people watching uh, after the fact or, or this morning online. We understand that. Uh, things are kind of crazy out in the world right now. We get that. And, and uh, man, there's, there's nobody uh, more than us praying that, that 2022, I don't ever want to say goes back to normal. I don't think that's the right word. I want, I want us to go back to, to be able to do what we're supposed to do in this world, who we're supposed to be in this world, and, and get rid of the fear and everything else that is perpetuated all around us. That's, that's what I long for, is that opportunity to do that. And so uh, well, hopefully all of you are praying for that same thing um, for us and, and for everyone. So many people struggling with that right now. And so uh, you probably know people uh, that are dealing with that. Give them a phone call. Send them an email. Send them a text, something, um, and connect with those people. Try to, try, to, try to meet up with them somehow, some way, even if it's on the front porch. It is like 65 degrees, right? So you could sit on the front porch, sip some sweet tea, enjoy the afternoon. All right, it would be a, a great thing. This is the final week, final week of, of our Christmas sermon series, The Wonderful Words of Christmas. And I want to take just a second and I want to invite everybody back next week because next week we're going to return to watching and seeing our Savior who is now all grown up. As he performs these miraculous signs and wonders in this world, and he reveals to the masses then and, and to us now who exactly he was. Luke is, is the author that we're studying from, and he goes through such tremendous detail of all the events and the places and the people specifically that were impacted by all of these signs that Jesus had. So if you're just joining us, um, if you've been visiting or whatever else, or maybe you just haven't been here um, this fall for whatever reason, make sure on your way out today to grab one of these. This is a Luke journal. It's just a copy of, of the text of Luke with lots of spaces for you to write and underline and do different things um, on your own. If these run out, they're on the black tables. If they run out, uh, let me know. I've still got some more under a table out there. And when we run out, I'll order more. So if you don't have one of these yet, please, please, please grab one on your way out so you continue following along with us throughout the book of Luke. Um, it is great to be able to, as God speaks to you, as God reveals things to you, to just jot those notes down. Because if you're like me, if you don't, they're gone. And so you got to write them down then, and then you go back and you revisit them, and you see those, and God reminds you of those things he's teaching you along the way. All right, and that'll all kick back off next week. I know it's the first Sunday of the new year, 2022, begins next Saturday. That's insane, but it is true, all right? And so um, we're excited about that, all right? Here we go. Christmas Sunday. This is officially Christmas Sunday. Um, if you didn't know that, it's the one closest to Christmas, therefore it's Christmas Sunday. It's one of my favorite Sundays of the year. If you're like, didn't he wear that on Friday? Yes, because the whole family wore the Christmas clothes once again on Sunday, because then you get two uh, look-alike Sundays, if you will, where we're all dressed up the same way, um, and it's a lot of fun, all right? It's, it's one of our favorite Sundays of the year. But more specifically, Christmas Sunday is a Sunday that we absolutely set aside to remember the birth of Jesus. And I just wanted to say a quick thank you to all of you that contributed to this series. Um, hopefully, uh, you have recognized some of the words that you uh, submitted to us. I love getting your participation in these things. It makes it fun for me to hear some of your input and allow me to, to write that in, allow God to, to mix his words with, with your thoughts as well and just kind of fuse those things together. It helps guide us and direct us and, and lead us in the direction that God wants us to go. And for those of you that didn't get to contribute, that's okay. There'll be more opportunities in the future. And so let me just say this. Thank you for coming to celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior with us. As a pastor and as a leader within the church and a staff within the church, please know we do not take this for granted. You are a blessing 
to us and we deeply, truly love you. And when I step back and I think about the fact that you chose to be here with us, that's unbelievable. Like, I don't know why you would even do it. Um, it's, it's crazy to think that you would come and join us in this way. And so thank you, thank you, thank you. We thank God for you every day. And we can't wait to see what God does in this new year, right? Step away from that for a moment. As a believer in Jesus, this time of year, isn't it a little weird and curious to watch an unbelieving world celebrate the birth of someone that they don't believe in? Have you ever thought about that just for a moment, right? We're not going to go into that right now, but I just wanted you to think about it. I want to plant that thought in your mind for just a moment. And I want to focus on this reality. Since they're the ones bringing it up, the fact that they are celebrating Christmas with us, that gives us a big, giant, wide-open door to talk about Jesus and speak the name of Jesus, to proclaim his coming and to share with them everything that he has done for us, in us, and right now through us in this world. It's almost as if the world is inviting us to do that each and every year during this season. And so my question is, have you? Or have you been too busy this Christmas season to share Jesus with those around you? Here's what's cool. Many of us, unfortunately, will have to go back to work like tomorrow, right? And you're going to have conversations about Christmas and there'll be people complaining. Hopefully that's not you right? Okay, there's going to be people talking about Christmas and how things went and what you got and this and that and the other. Will you make it a point to bring Jesus into those conversations? Please do. Let me give you a, a really simple one. Here's something you could do. You can invite them to come to church with you next week and find out more about this Jesus that they're celebrating. This series ties perfectly into what we're studying in the book of Luke. For them to, here's a challenge for them as you have the, to start the new year with Jesus, to start afresh, to start anew with him this new year. Because we are doing a careful, detailed investigation of his life and of his ministry. This would be a perfect time for someone that's kind of on the fringes or maybe someone that doesn't know Jesus at all to come in and begin to learn about him. It's a perfect time for them to join us. And just so you know that this isn't a made-up number, it's actually a real one. The stats tell us that 80% of people who are invited by a close friend or family member to come to church with them say yes. Now, I'm just going to ask you, where in your life do you have an 80% chance of succeeding? Seriously, think about your daily life. How often do you have an 80% chance of being successful? I think this is a great opportunity for you to use that. You just got to ask. You just got to ask, all right? So back to today. Sorry, I'm excited about the new year and what we're studying and all those kinds of things. So, so here we go. Um, some of you might have heard this before. You might, in order to share Jesus, you might already be aware of this, but you kind of need to use some words. You got to tell people. But some of you have heard this quote, a uh, supposed quote by, by St. Saint, uh, Saint Francis, St. Saint Francis of Assisi. The quote goes like this. I've heard it preached in sermons from pulpits before. This is the quote. Preach the gospel at all times and use words if necessary. I looked online. You can actually buy hoodies and t-shirts and all kinds of gear that have that on it. Um, so what that is saying is that it's not necessary to actually proclaim the name of Jesus, tell people about Jesus, just your actions by themselves are alone good enough. I want you to think about that for a moment, and I'm going to let you just in on a little secret here. So the next time you hear this preached from a pulpit, um, there's a small problem with that quote. Uh, St. Francis of Assisi was a real person, but he never, ever, ever, ever said that. 
As a matter of fact, most of what he's taught was in quite opposite of that, um, telling people to go out and speak the name of Jesus. All right, here's the thing. Actions are important. Yes, absolutely. We have to show the love of Jesus to people. Absolutely essential, but we've got to use our words to help them understand why we do what we do. Them just watching us isn't going to be enough because lots of people do lots of nice things for people in this world. We've got to tell them who it is that is inspiring us to love and to serve them. We have to use our words to share our story of our lives and what Jesus has done for us and to us in our lives. The good news of Jesus is a story that must be told. How else will anyone ever know who he is? We must bring the good news to them. And that's what this Christmas series has been all about, the wonderful words of Christmas, words that we use, especially this time of year. And I have, I've really enjoyed incorporating your thoughts. It means a lot to me that you were willing, A, to do it. And hopefully those of you that did it are like, wow, he actually used and even read some things that I submitted. Huh, I didn't think he would do that. Well, I will, all right? And so if I'm going to tell you that, we're going to, now I might have to edit some people's, but, but you know how that goes, right? Um, <laughs> it's, it's okay, it's okay. The first word for today is the word holy. Holy. Now, that word is actually a very sacred word, if you didn't know that. Today, of course, we use it in conjunction with words like cow and um, other swear words and, and things like that. Um, when we use it that way, it does completely rob it of all of its meaning, absolutely, for sure. The reality is the word holy, according to dictionaries today, this is the way Merriam-Webster defines it, it is religious or morally good, exalted or worthy of complete devotion as one perfect in goodness and in righteousness. Now hold that definition in your mind just for a moment. Four times in the book of Leviticus, God calls his people, the Israelites, to be holy as he is holy. Now you might be saying, but Chris, that's the Old Testament, Old Covenant. That doesn't really apply to us today. Well, you, sometimes you can kind of say that about some things, but the Apostle Peter was very specific in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse, 13, or verse 14 through 16. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires that you had when you lived in ignorance. No, no, no. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. For it is written, be holy as because I am holy. Yeah, Peter quotes old, the Old Testament to us, the Old Covenant to us. Must be an expectation God still has. So how on earth is God expecting us to live up to Merriam-Webster's definition? Did they talk and put that together or something? Here's the thing. He's not. He's not. Not completely. The definition of holy has evolved over time to make it something a little different than what it was originally intended for. Our current culture has defined that word, not the creator of the word. The word for holy in Hebrew is the word kadosh, which means to be set apart for a specific purpose. Now, there are times absolutely in God's word where he refers to holy people, and he's talking about their moral righteousness and their godly devotion. So that is a reality within God's world. Absolutely, it is. But it doesn't refer to perfection or godliness because even those people were not perfect or even perfectly godly. When the Bible calls something holy, it lets you and I know that it is set apart for a very specific purpose. That object has a very specific meaning and specific purpose or specific job that it is to be used for or to do. 
The word holy is referred to, it refers to the nation of Israel. They've been set apart. Now, if you take the modern definition of holy and you try to apply it to the ancient culture of Israel, you might have a little difficulty seeing that work because they were constantly rebelling against God, worshiping false idols, doing all these terrible things. The list goes on. No, they were set apart. They were set apart for God's specific purpose. The purpose being to be the one through whom he would ultimately bring his son, Jesus, to restore all of humanity into a right relationship with God. That is a grand purpose. And what we celebrated on the calendar yesterday was the fulfillment of that purpose. Through the line of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and ultimately the line of King David, our Savior was born. The people whom God had set apart, made holy, and to make him famous throughout all of the world had done just that, and had now delivered the greatest gift the world has ever known. So when it comes to you and I being holy, it begins here. If you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, he sets you apart now. He sets you apart as holy, as his. He's adopted you into his family. He has saved you, forgiven you, redeemed you. He has made you holy. It's not up to you to make you holy. That definition of Merriam-Webster sounds like, well, that's I need to live up to that. No, 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 no. God redeems us. God saves us. God forgives us. God is the one that makes us holy. If you've given your life to Jesus, he has set you apart from this world. And it all began with this baby in a manger on a silent and holy, perfect, no, 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 no. A silent and set apart night. A night set apart from all of creation, from all of history, past and present and future. All of it for this event to happen for God. Now, how do we live as holy? Well, that's as we become more like Jesus. He imparts his righteousness to us. We learn, we strive to become more and more like Jesus. Be holy as I am holy, says God. How would you know how God is holy if you don't study his word, if you don't learn, if you don't grow, if you don't grow in communion, if you don't love, if you don't serve? That's how we become holy as he is holy. It's not a perfect standard. We can never become perfect until he fully redeems us one day. The wonderful words of Christmas, holy. Another set of words that we hear a lot during the holiday are some of the names of Jesus. These were all names that were sent in, words like Savior. Emmanuel, it's a beautiful word, isn't it? Messiah and others. But how many people that aren't affiliated with the church, and honestly, even people that have, how many have no idea what those words mean? They're neat words, but there's a lot of people named Jesus. So what does it even mean, right? Let's be honest, that's Jesus. <laughs> Same spelling in everything. How many people hear those words and don't know? Because they are such beautiful words. They have such incredible meanings, and most of them even sound pretty good in a song. So what is it about? Christmas is all about the birth of our Savior, our Savior. Today is the day, yesterday was the day that we celebrate our Savior being born on this earth. Matthew 1.21 tells the angel, Joseph, tells the angel this. No, no, flip that. The angel tells Joseph that his wife Mary is going to give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. And he says, why? He says, because he will save his people from their sins. Now, could you imagine holding that baby and looking at him and wondering, now, how is this infant gonna save the people from their sins? Did Mary or Joseph look at that baby and go, how is that baby going to save me? From my sins, or did they just try to apply it to everyone else? 
Jesus himself says later in Luke 19.10 that the Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. That Savior word is there again to save. In our world today, people do not have an understanding of what a Savior is. Probably the closest example that most people would come up with would probably be some kind of superhero who is completely flawed and human in every way. They have man-made saviors, if you will. We have organizations. We have causes that people look to to save them. (laughs) But they don't understand what Jesus did. They don't understand what he gave up to come to this earth. Can we grasp that he never sinned? Again, the research would tell us no because a majority, more than 50% of Christians, don't believe that Jesus never sinned. So clearly we don't understand what a Savior truly is, but this is the reality. These characteristics made him qualified in the eyes and the judgment of God to serve as the only perfect sacrifice for my sins and for yours. He took the punishment that I deserve. No one else is able to do that. No one else is worthy to do that. No one else is qualified to do this, and it all came in the form of a tiny, tiny baby. Another famous name of God is that word Emmanuel, simply to find God with us. God promised all along to come in this way, but the people never fully understood how he would do that. And when he arrived, people didn't recognize him. How could God possibly become man? That's impossible, right? Well, he did just that. God joined us. He became part of humanity, literally living and breathing and walking among us. Eugene Peterson, the late Eugene Peterson in the message, which I don't often quote from, but every once in a while there's a great nugget in that paraphrase. He said that he, he translated, he paraphrased John 1.14 this way. He said, the word, Jesus, became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. He became flesh and blood and he moved into the neighborhood. And that literally helps me envision exactly what Jesus did. He was here physically. He moved into the house next door. He didn't force himself on anyone at all. He just simply did what Jesus would do. (laughs) He lived as the Son of God. He did the things the Son of God would do. He taught the things the Son of God would teach. Some people were drawn to him. Others were sent away from him, completely turned off. And for me, knowing that Jesus experienced and walked in the messiness of this earth kind of tells me (laughs) not to be afraid Because he's not afraid of my mess. He's not afraid of my sin. He's not afraid of my brokenness. He's with me on my best days. He's with me on my worst days. He's even with me every moment of every day right now. If you've never thought of it this way, it's not like when I'm standing over there in a minute, Jesus is like right there beside me. He's like, all right there, go get him, Chris. Go get him, like a good coach over there on the sideline. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. He's always with us. Jesus is the greatest present ever offered to all humanity. But you must remember that it is an offering. It is a gift that we have to choose to open. He came for all whatever we're at, 7 billion plus people on this earth, yet many, 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 many will never unwrap that gift. You see, no other religion on the planet has a personal relationship with their God. No other faith system has a God who came on their behalf to do anything, let alone save them. We can never earn our way to God. We can never be good enough to get to God. We can never know enough to, be, to get to God. So he came 
to us, Emmanuel, the beautiful word of Christmas, God with us. There's two more quick ones for today. I mentioned that word Messiah a few moments ago. Another beautiful word when you say it. There's something about it. Even in the English language, as we say that word, there's just something about it. We say it a lot around Christmas time, but let's be honest, in the church, we throw that word out a lot. And if you're new to the church, you're like, Messiah. I, I don't, wasn't that a band's name or something? I don't even know where that word comes from. You, some of you know. Anyway, um, we use the word a lot. There's famous pieces of, of art that have that word Messiah in it. Famous pieces of music that have that word Messiah in it. Some of our favorite Christmas carols have that word Messiah in it. The word Messiah is used 68 times in the New Testament. But do we know what that word means and why it is such an important characteristic, an important name of Jesus? The word Messiah in Greek is the word Christos. Sound familiar? <laughs> yes, that's where we get the word Christ. So no, Christ is not Jesus' last name. Okay, just understand that. It's not. <laughs> Jesus is the Christ. He is the Messiah, the anointed one, the chosen one. Jesus was anointed three different things as he came. He was anointed a prophet. He was anointed high priest. And he was anointed the king of kings. He was set apart. He was dedicated, devoted. He was holy. <laughs> Set aside for a specific purpose, for a specific role on this earth. As prophet, he came to proclaim the word of God. It's a beautiful thing. He gave this example to us. He used words, didn't he? Lots of words, as a matter of fact. But he didn't just use words, did he? He didn't just come proclaiming and preaching the word of God. He actually came and embodied. He personified the word of God. As John wrote in John 1.14, Jesus, our the word, came and became flesh. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. As our high priest, now Jesus is our intercessor, our liaison, our go-between between us and God, fulfilling that role that priests used to fulfill in that Old Testament, but perfecting it. In the Old Testament, priests were meant to fill that role. They offer sacrifices for people's sin to reconcile God to man, but it was temporary. It had to be done over and over and over. Jesus is the ultimate high priest, offering himself as the perfect sacrifice because he was perfect. His death to atone or pay for our sins. He alone reconciles us to God. No one or nothing else could ever do that. And then finally, as the Son of God, he came as the King of kings, the Lord of lords, to rule over all of creation. And it all started in a stable around a manger. Now, no one, and I mean no one, saw this coming. The prophets of old predicted it would happen. God even told them how it would happen. But man's interpretation of those prophecies made Jesus out to be who they wanted him to be. I want you to think about that in this world that we live in, prophecies that you hear even today. And the interpretation of prophecy in Scripture, sometimes we, man, have a way of interpreting prophecy to make it say what we want it to say. And they lost sight of who Jesus really was. You see, Jesus came to save them. They wanted to be saved from Rome, so that's what they were anticipating. They didn't want to be saved from their own sin. What good would that do for the country, right? They saw the word king, and he was coming as the conquering king, and they wanted someone who would come in and conquer the enemy, someone who would defeat Rome. They didn't want someone that would come in and rule their heart. 
They just misinterpreted that for what they wanted. It's an incredible word, Messiah. The final word for today is a little obvious, I won't lie, but it probably should be. Because in the world we live, in the busy, in the crazy, in the spending, in the debt, and everything that we've been through, the baking, the wrapping, the decorating, the driving, even the singing, there's something in both the world and even within believers sometimes that we leave out of Christmas. And his name is Jesus. Luke 131, the angel said to Mary, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. The Hebrew name, Yehoshua, which over time got condensed down to just Yeshua. Jehovah is salvation. Some say, you might even have a button, that Jesus is the reason for the season. I wouldn't argue with that. But, but, if you ask him that question, what's the reason for this season? I think he might give you a different answer. I think he might just say, you are. Because he came for you. Have you ever thought about that? Christmas is about you, and I'm not talking about receiving all those presents. I'm talking about the reason he came. Yes, he came to save you. He came to restore you to himself, to God. He came to forgive you. He came to offer you eternal life. He came to help you in this fallen world. He came to bring you life and life to the fullest. He came to reveal exactly who God is to an unbelieving world so that we might truly get to know him. He came to show us how much he loves us so that we could learn how to show his love to others. It's an incredible gift that he gave. Jesus, Jehovah God is our salvation, the meaning of the word. Now there's a lot of other names that the Bible attributes to God. You see, the ancient Jews weren't allowed to say the name of God. The name that God himself gave to Moses they weren't allowed to pronounce, and we do our best phonetically, and we, we say the word as Yahweh. But because they couldn't pronounce that name, they couldn't say that name for fear of it. There was so much fear of that name, and I mean fear as in reverence, as all respect for that name. They created all these other names for God that just defined all these characteristics of who he was. These names were incredible. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is my banner. Remember that song as a kid? His banner over me is like, anyway, anyway, yeah, he is our defense. He is our confidence. Jehovah Ra, the Lord is my shepherd. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord heals. Jehovah Shema, the Lord is there. He is everywhere. His omnipresence. Jehovah Tedeskru, the Lord is our righteousness. Jehovah Mekadonshkim, the Lord who sanctifies you, Jehovah Jireh, yeah, there's a famous song from like the 70s, the Lord will provide. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is our peace. At some point in time, yeah, we're going to have to do a study of those, aren't we? Because they're just so beautiful. And what we want to do when we do that is we want to see how those names were manifested through the person and the ministry of Jesus. As every one of those Jehovahs walked this earth and showed exactly what they look like in person. But all of these names, all of these descriptions, even the birth story of Jesus are for this purpose, to help us believe, to help us understand, to help us know for certain and believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Man, the wonderful words 
of Christmas that surround the miraculous birth of our God, our Messiah, the one who came to save you. They're incredible. Isn't it amazing how you can take something so simple as just a few words that we sing in songs and develop them into something to understand who God is and why he came. If you've never accepted that, this is Christmas Sunday. What an awesome gift to unwrap today. That gift that's been sitting before you maybe your whole life and you've been waiting for some reason to accept that. Maybe you're waiting to get older. Maybe you're waiting to know enough, whatever. Uh, you've just been waiting and today's the day to unwrap. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're brand new and you're just hearing this. And you're like, ah, wow, I got to do something with this Jesus on Christmas. Man, this is why he came. This is the perfect day to do that. Maybe you're just wanting this new year is ready to start and you're like, man, this last year was messed up and I'm kind of messed up because of it. I need to come before God and just recommit my life to him as this new year approaches. This would be the perfect time to do that. Maybe this last week has just revealed some things and you need some prayer. You're struggling in things, ways you didn't even know until this last week hit. Would you let us pray with you? We long to do that this morning. Just come forward anytime. The rest of service, people will meet you up here. We'll go in there, whatever we need to do to pray with you. Father God, as we come before you now, and we reflect on this incredible gift, the gift of your son. So unworthy. Father, I, I can't even believe that I'm standing here doing this and sharing this news with people. I never dreamed that would be possible. And yet you use me in this way. Father, I pray that your spirit moves amongst your people today, whether in person or online, if they're online, on their knees at home. Father, just bring them to you. Allow that spirit to move them in your direction. Father, if there's anyone here that's unwilling, just, just doesn't feel like they, they, they know they should get up, but they just, they just can't. Father, give them an extra dose of your spirit, some encouragement maybe from someone around them to just lead them in your direction right now in this place, for you alone know what they need. Father, we know you are here with us, and we love your presence, and we welcome your presence. Let us not resist your presence any longer. But give in and give ourselves fully up to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray.